Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dylan Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hello! How is everyone doing this fine, uh, whenever you're listening to this? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's a great, wait, not even great, what if someone's listening to this, like, there's a hurricane going on. Well, it's a great day in our books. <laughs> yes. Always a sunny day here at the Cinema Show, so just close your eyes and Imagine that. And if you're under extreme weather, we're terribly sorry. And uh, hunker down and get safe. Yes. And on this episode, we have quite a laundry list of movies to talk about. A melting pot of movies, if you will. It's very diverse, I would say. Incredibly. Yeah. I mean, Jackson, is there any any movies that you've been seeing lately? I saw a few. Uh, yeah. I saw Fargo on... Uh, in the theater on Ooh. Sunday, um, but uh, most recently yeah, I saw uh, the Mitchells and the Machines. Yeah, versus the Machines. Yeah, the Mitchells versus the Machines. This one comes from Sony Animation Studios, and you could find that on Netflix right now. Very stacked cast here when it comes to the voice talent. You have Danny McBride, Eric Andre, Maya Rudolph, Olivia Coleman, and Blake Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> this one's directed by Michael Rianda. It's about young Katie Mitchell embarks on a road trip with her proud parents, younger brother, and a beloved dog to start her first year at film school. But their plans to bond as a family soon get interrupted when the world's electronic devices come to life to stage an uprising. So pretty cut and clear premise, I would say. Yeah. And I enjoyed this movie. It was a pleasant surprise, I would say. I wasn't expecting much going into it. And even based off the trailer, I just thought it would, it was a, it looked like a nice movie. And yeah, going into it, I, I found myself laughing quite a, a lot, actually, more than I thought I would. Interesting, because uh, I hadn't seen anything from it. And uh, once we actually got into the meat and potatoes in the movie, I thought that I would have been cracking up. But, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I It was a fun time, uh, but I don't think uh, I loved this as much as I was expecting to after, like, the first five minutes. Mm, okay. See, and maybe that was, like, expectations going in. That's why it's so important. Maybe I had mm -hmm. very low expectations going into it, just from what I've seen. This movie was actually supposed to be called Connected. Do you not remember that random teaser trailer for this movie it was just a pug running through a field and it was called connected what yeah weird yeah it was supposed to be called connected don't know why i do well, love well is it a pug or is it a pig or is it a, a loaf of bread <laughs> the world may never know i'm actually happy that <laughs> the i like the title change i like this title a lot more it, it pops definitely a lot better than i i don't okay can we talk about the trend of these like one word titles with animation movies yeah yeah so weird like rapunzel i mean that granted it's one word too but change it to Onward. tangled soul luca yeah i don't i don't get what's going on is it like the attention span they don't trust the audience enough <laughs> they're treating us stupider well, and stupider as we everything go everything has just kind of become like a. it's if you give it one word it has more impact i guess is what they're going it's quick, for it's snappy it's it rolls off the tongue quickly Whereas with Sony Animation, you have 
Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah, so maybe Sony Animation might start the trend back up giving these movies proper names or titles. Another trend that they're starting up is uh, just different animation from the rest of the industry because they started it with Spider-Verse and I think we're going to see a clear Spider-Verse influence for like the next 20 years in animation. Oh, I think you see it heavily in this movie. Definitely. Uh, So this comes from Sony Animated Studios. Uh, They did Spider-Verse a couple years back and now they have this one and uh, it's also produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did Lego Movie spider-verse although uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs and i th- this one feels like an amalgamation of all three of those kind of combined okay that's a good you know what i was thinking i was thinking this is the middle ground to spider-verse and ralph breaks the internet i still haven't seen that one Ooh, really okay i have some thoughts on that one i'm not a big fan of the sequel i love the first record ralph movie uh the, i think the second one is very cringe <laughs> because Ooh. i mean because when you when you okay and i think this and the reason why i bring a comparison up from these two movies is because i felt the same way when the internet and memes were integrated into this movie i don't think they were well done and i feel like we're starting to have the internet bleed into our movies and tv and i don't know if i like that yet i, I think it's instantly dated to me well, I, I think they w- they did a clever thing by making all of the references dated. I mean, you have the Yuma Yuma song, which is early internet. You have Neon Cat references. And like, so those are already dated. So I think they're already starting to be kind of looked back on as nostalgic, if as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Um, and that'll only, I think that'll age better as time goes on. But. Pardon my French, but this movie feel, kind of feels like a shit post, uh, just with <laughs> things that they kind of put in randomly. Yeah, uh, just like the the little blur, which is cool. I I love like the little flare that the the flare this movie has. It, it's great. It's very unique. However, I would have felt very differently if I saw this in a movie, and it, it feels like I should have been watching this on YouTube instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the movie for me gets a little too hyper for me it gets a little too uh not convoluted uh, just very busy with itself and not the story the story is very simple Mm -hmm. um and, and i think it's it comes from the characters i think that's a personal thing for me though because i don't know it it's this trend i'm starting to see with characters and you know what i saw it with it was the dragon from ryan the last dragon Mm. like her style of comedy is that She's not funny and she's awkward. And that's what makes her funny. And to me, I don't find awkward funny. I find it awkward. <laughs> and there's a yeah. lot of this in this movie. It's a it's a fine line. And something like The Office, which I haven't seen much of, but the stuff that I have seen, it it rides that line of like, it's the whole awkward comedy that that started. Mm-hmm. It's always a fine line between being hilarious or just, ooh, that's awkward. Yeah, the office. It okay. The difference between that and the the office in this movie is the office. They put themselves in very awkward situations, but the characters that are in that situation that's what makes it so funny. You know, you're gonna you you're always wondering, oh, how is Michael gonna get himself out of this situation he put himself in, or Dwight, or all the other characters you have in that show. 
here i feel like they're not in an awkward situation ever it's just the characters that are just awkward for the sake of being awkward and i don't know if that's the culture now I, i'm not i can't relate myself to a high school student today let alone i don't know how old the little brother is but hey i'm not i don't know how the youth is now i feel much older now <laughs> i this is the first time watching this movie i felt like a boomer because <laughs> i was like this isn't funny the internet should stay away from my movies <laughs> see i i like the inner i like the intention uh that they were going for i'm like okay there's internet references and uh katie is a very intentional choice he's the awkward uh anxious teenager that's kind of popular now who's just kind of self-involved in their phone they don't really have any uh she doesn't have any friends outside of it but when she's doing her thing on the internet she's herself and you know she's more open Mm -hmm. so it's very intentional with that and to me whenever it kind of just there were the funny edits like the uh oh what's it the um what's the dad's name the the rick mitchell special oh whenever that thing would pop up i like that i like it but to me it just kind of breaks up the momentum and anytime it gets kind of quirky and internet-y uh which is weird to say (laughs) yeah uh, it, it breaks up the momentum especially in that final act yes I like the fact that we have our lead here, Katie, that she is a aspiring filmmaker and how she's using the internet to her advantage, which is common now, you know, indie filmmakers using the internet to their advantage. That's great. I, I like that aspect a lot. And she's a non-traditional protagonist. She's not the cool kid. Um, but I mean, there is also the the outsider protagonist, which is kind of common, but yeah. it has a very modern and unique spin on it to where I appreciate what they're doing with Katie. But as you said, yeah, but not to distract from your from your point. Yeah. Which, yeah, it does leave me feeling like, oh, that was kind of awkward and, and not kind of the intent. And if that was the intention, then I'm not sure. But go back. Well, going off of that, I do like the family dynamic. I like their relationship here. I love that, for instance, the brother and sister relationship it's a healthy relationship you know you could totally Mm -hmm. go the whole annoying brother route and they didn't i love how they're supportive of each other and what they do you have katie supporting the little brother aaron his obsession of dinosaurs which is cool and i love how aaron is always in katie's little movies Mm -hmm. that was nice and then also it's not hard not to love the father-daughter relationship here where you have two opposing sides where one is engulfed in the internet because that's how she expresses herself, which is great. I love that aspect. And then you have Danny McBride's character, Rick, the dad, where he, you later find out that he's so into building and uh, survival. He's a working man. Yeah, he wants to be out in the woods. I I think that relationship could have benefited a lot more if they had focused on it just a tad bit more. Yeah, I, I think the main crux of this movie is the the writing. You you have everything set with the character design, the animation is incredible, uh, and the, the flair that this movie has, again, I, I love it, but when the writing isn't up to snuff with all of that, uh, I think the movie the movie kind of suffers a little bit. Like, if they just kind of worked on this movie 
I don't know, maybe just like another month or two, like mm-hmm. fine tuning it and really uh, just tightening the bolts, I guess you could say. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like the script needed just a little bit more work. There's a great framework there. Uh, I just think it needed a little more time in the oven. I thought the highlight characters for me were the two robots. Which I believe were uh, Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen. Yes. They were my personal favorites. I loved them in this movie. And the pug. The pug was nice. He also saved the day at the end. <laughs> I I did yeah. like that, that they used that video to kind of... Um, what's the word? It's the trope they used in the Avengers where you blow up the one ship and all the aliens all of a sudden just fall. Yeah, it's a different take on the hive mind there you kind go. of thing. Yes. And I love how they used the dog and it's sprinkled throughout. That's how they kind of get away sometimes where the confusion of trying to determine what that dog actually is uh, kind mm-hmm. of malfunctions the robots. And the fact that they used that video to save the day was cool. Yeah, th- you can tell that there's a lot of passion into this. Uh, Michael Rianda, uh, he definitely put all of his heart and soul into this movie and it shows. Yeah, it was nice to see the the end message play out through the credits where you have the cast members mm-hmm. and the filmmakers part of this movie sharing their family photos. Yeah, and uh, just kind of like uh, kind of a spoiler, uh, yeah. but the the whole movie, you're kind of just, uh, oh, technology bad is kind of the message you're getting from it. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it, it wraps up in a real nice bow and to where it's not, that's not what the whole point of the movie, they tie up that end uh, real nice. Yeah, I love how they utilize technology where the parents are finally starting to not depend on it, but utilize it more, especially with the video calls to Katie, who's now in college. As a tool. Yeah, as a, exactly. Yeah. So I like that message because, yeah, as much as I'm still kind of in that battle within myself, like, am I using technology a little too much? Are we as a whole using it too much? I thought they were going to kind of play more into that. And I feel like they did, but not too much where it's preachy. It felt very... Uh natural yeah yeah very natural and i'm glad they kind of used the the family to have that conversation because i'm pretty sure every family's having that conversation especially when you have a dad around that age age range with a a background of wanting to be out in the woods and then you have a daughter like katie who just loves the culture on the internet which, uh, going back to Katie, it's not real, like, super on the nose, but there's a lot of hints towards it where uh, she's queer-coded, and it's very obvious if you kind of just read into what the movie's giving you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's great that it's not it's not a main focus of her character. It's just, it's Katie, and she's also queer, which I think is great, and more characters who are queer-coded should be, should be portrayed like that, where that's not their whole thing. Yeah. And I love that. I, I love how, like, Rick and Linda, the mom and dad, are like, yeah, they don't flat out say it, but it's more like, yeah, we don't care if you're queer. We are more concerned about you being on the damn phone too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, like, that's the real problem here, okay? Like, we're not <laughs> like that, okay? We're a little evolved. Yeah, I, I did like that as well. I think there's a part where, kind of at the beginning, where she's kind of narrating the movie. And she's saying it took a while for my parents to get me, and it took a while for me to get myself. You see her, like, mm-hmm. going through a little bit of... Uh, wardrobe changes and I thought that was like that's all you needed right there just to and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't more of like a, like internet culture a part of film twitter that's like we demand to know there is sexual orientation like that we let us know we ship it 
confirm it, please. I think that's all you needed from that movie. And it wasn't to kind of answer that question. It was more of a, here's what Katie's character is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all done through characterization. Yeah. And it, it was, it's perfect. Yeah, and it was, they didn't have to make it a thing, but like you mentioned. So yeah, it's, that's all people want. <laughs> Representation <laughs> without putting a big old magnifying glass over it and saying, hey, exactly. here, here, here. Yeah. No, I totally get you. But yeah, I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Actually, I've seen it three times already. I think uh, looking back on it, I enjoy it more than I did in the moment of watching it. Mm-hmm. In the moment, I couldn't decide what I was feeling about it. Um, I was leaning more towards, not negative, but just kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, looking back on it, thinking about it, I, I, this movie's definitely going to stick with you after watching it. Like I said, the animation and the flair this movie has is really the driving point, mm-hmm. and it, it excels at that. And you're going to be thinking about this movie for a while. And I think I'll look back at it fondly. If I had to watch it again, I think I'd pay a flat seven. Okay, yeah, a seven. Now, on the cinema show, how we rate our movies here, we determine it by our ticket value. Now, from $1 to 10 by the quarter, we determine how much we would pay to see this movie in the theater or at home. Kind of pay yourself to watch the movie at home. Anyways, well, which we had to. It's on Netflix. But yeah, Jackson said 7 so $7 out of a $10 ticket. I would go, I would go with solid 8 I think I liked it a little mm. bit more than you. I don't know why. I think it's because yeah. my expectations were low. Yeah, and I just didn't know a, a darn thing about this movie <laughs> going into it. So I just expected nothing. Uh, yeah, you would think that I would be the one to appreciate this more out of the two of us. You know what's funny? After I watched this one, I was like, dang, I think Jackson's going to like this one a lot more than I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I was already kind of going towards a seven as well. But I watched it, I think, twice. Uh, uh, twice more. And I... I liked it a lot more. And I feel like that's going to happen to me as well. Yeah, give it a chance. Uh, I would. Did you watch it with the family? I watched it by myself. Okay. Yeah, I would I would watch it with the family. I'm pretty sure your dad will agree with Rick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was agreeing with Rick most of the time. Yeah, there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know why. I felt like a boomer for the first time in my life. <laughs> Hey, it's it's starting. It's starting. <laughs> Speaking of boomers, uh, Jason Statham. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's a movie you haven't watched because it just came out and I watched it in the theater. Trying to keep my local theater afloat right now. And I want to go watch Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man starring Jason Statham. They're back at it again. Post Malone's in this movie? <laughs> you didn't have you what? have you seen the trailer? No. Oh. I don't really watch trailers anymore unless it's like for Marvel. Well, I Which Okay, I've been the only time I've been watching trailers is in the theater. So, mm-hmm. I've seen this trailer every single time I've gone to the movie theater. That's interesting. And you see Post Malone for a split second in that trailer, but that's the only time you get a reaction from the audience during that trailer because everyone's like huh like (laughs) everyone has the same reaction like did i just see post malone nah and sure enough it was post malone but yeah we have guy Ritchie and jason statham back at it again last time we saw them together i believe it was snatched i think that was the movie that they made together yeah and that was a while ago too yeah it was like 
early 2000s. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And it's a revenge movie. Jason Statham is... He kind of plays the same role in everything. He always goes for that... He picks a job where he's, like, so overly qualified for. And then, like, when... Pardon my French, but when shit gets real, that's when he turns it up to 11 and goes, like, full of Jason Statham. And they're like, you're not really cut out to be a janitor, right? It's like, no. I'm actually, I used to be special forces. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always it's always that type of movie with Jason Statham. Here, too, mm-hmm. he works for security. He's one of those security guards that transfers money from, like, banks. You know, the, you see those big old trucks. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lukewarm about Guy Ritchie. I've seen a couple of his movies already. The latest one, I think, was The Gentleman. Aladdin. Oh, I didn't watch Aladdin, though. <laughs> I'm not going to watch that. Oh, you didn't? No. I thought you did. No, I, I, I saw like a... Did I watch it? It was a fever dream. <laughs> Maybe it must have been a fever dream. <laughs> oh, I just see Will Smith's genie in my That's dreams. all I think about when I think about that movie. Just Will Smith. <laughs> Blue Will Smith, yeah. <laughs> uh, blue face. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, so... I, I like Guy Ritchie. I think he kind of knows the type of director that he is. It's always that non-linear storytelling and everything kind of like wraps up nicely and epically at the end. And just like The Gentleman, I think this one kind of is the same type of movie where it's all instead of like dealing with gangsters and all. Well, no. Yeah, it's pretty much like the same movie, except not as a stack cast. And it's a little bit darker, not as comedic. Mm as the gentleman you know like gen- gentleman kind of like had that dark humor to it I, I had wanted to see gentleman but i never got around to oh, it. oh you haven't seen it no oh it's but i felt like that was just kind of like a, a return to form for guy Ritchie. like hey he did a lot in and now guy Ritchie's back he's doing his snatched movies again yeah so i was expecting this to be another comedy especially with jason statham back but no i guess contracts have changed <laughs> since those days <laughs> no this one's really a lot darker compared to the gentleman. Interesting. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. The actions there, the story's great. Uh, it took a little bit of time to kind of get it going. Cause what guy Ritchie likes to do, he plays a scene at the beginning and he's like, okay, we'll come back to this scene and kind of show you how it really plays out. And now that you know what we all know as the audience and yeah, I love how everything kind of falls together. You kind of see different sides of a story play out and I think the end, the last third act, just plays great. It, it goes full-on heist movie. And uh, that's all I'll say about it. I enjoyed it. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> the theater experience. You know, every mm. time I go to the theater, it's always a story, right? Yep. Because <sighs> America... <laughs> Never change. <laughs> no, you need to change. I <laughs> Every time I go, ever since the pandemic hit, and I've been slowly coming back into the movie theaters. Oh, by the way, I'm vaccinated. First dose. Ooh, all right. Yeah. But no, every time I've been going back to the movie theaters, there's always something that happens that's like makes me just question why I keep coming back to the movie theaters. Because <laughs> you would think like a pandemic kind of like humbled everybody. Nope. Right? Like, okay, everyone's going to be a lot po- more polite to each other. Everyone's going to be, you know... uh take everything not for granted but no no people are still on their phones there were three or four sets of parents who brought their kids 
to an R-rated Guy Ritchie movie. Oh my god. I mean, what? Why? Why what are we doing here, guys? What are you Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was dad's weekend. <laughs> Who knows, but yeah, you're dealing with a completely different type of uh, movie theater audience now. Like, you know how before it was just the loud popcorn munching, soda slurping guy with the noisy candy bags? Yeah. And now it's like, no mask. <laughs> just a completely different kind of vibe. Just people on their phones. They don't give a shit. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. I mean, they've been used to being on their phones for the past year and a half. So, I mean, why would they change their habits now? Cinemark and AMC need to really step up their game and take some notes from Alamo Draft House. Yeah, that's the reason why I keep going back to Alamo. It, every time a movie comes out, it's like, do I want to watch it in IMAX or do I want to enjoy the movie? <laughs> so yeah, the theater experience. Do better, America. Do better. Anywho. Oh, and uh, yeah, I recommend Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. I thought it was cool. Oh, Revenge. okay. I'm into those type of movies. I'm a Guy Ritchie fan. I know what I'm getting myself into. It's, re- it's a revenge, double-crossing, backstabbing, gun violence I'm all for it. I, I support <laughs> in movies, in movies, in movies. Because it's fun, Jan. <laughs> Was that Tarantino? It's a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> so yeah, if you ever get the chance, Jackson, check it out. All right, I need to check out the Gentleman too. Oh yeah, dude, that'd be great. That one looked like a bunch of fun. Dude, they're both fun movies. I think Gentleman for sure is a lot more fun because it's more comedic and you have a lot of actors that bring a lot of charisma. Whereas this one, you solely depend on Jason Statham, and if you are a fan of him or not, it will affect your experience with the movie. But I like it. It's really enjoyable, and it gets better throughout the movie. Interesting. As the movie goes on, it gets better. Yeah. If you have to pay to see it again? Um, ooh, yeah. It's funny coming off of Mitchell's and the Machines, or versus the Machines, but... Ooh, yeah. You know what? I would go a solid seven with this one. It's Hmm, just an average, good-going movie. Like, you're rooting for Jason Statham to get his revenge. Oh, okay. On to the next movie. (laughs) Here's a movie we both watched. It's Shiva Baby. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Emma Seligman, and uh, I only heard about this uh, to begin with because uh, some guy I watch on YouTube who reviewed this movie, I was like, huh, should check this out when it comes out. And I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting since like April of last year oh, wow. to watch this movie, and it finally came out in April of this year, and I jumped on it opening weekend. Uh, I had to rent it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So this movie's about this college student played by Rachel Sennett, and the movie opens with her uh, having just gotten done doing the dirty with a client. She's a sugar baby. Kind of a pun with the title there. She's a sugar baby. And uh, then she has to go to a shiva, which is a Jewish funeral, I believe. Um, or just kind of a Jewish procession. I think someone someone died. Uh, I'm not exactly queued up on all the religious aspects. It's a very Jewish movie. And she prides uh, Ele- uh, Seligman prides herself on that. She actually recently uh, did an interview uh, with the Academy and oh, wow. uh, spoke about like six Jewish movies that inspired uh, her growing up. But yeah, it, it's a anxious nail biter of a movie. <laughs> one one could even say a horror movie. It's got a horror movie kind of soundtrack. Yeah, I w- I would definitely. Uh, yeah, you. I was gonna say exactly what you were gonna say. I wanted to bring up 
was Uncut Gems an inspiration to make this movie? Because I felt anxiety throughout this entire movie. God, yeah. And also the the horror, the the score felt like a horror movie. Uh, with the plucking of the strings reminds me of a Hereditary, uh, mm-hmm. Midsommar. Stars Rachel Sennett, who I had to do some research on. She's a comedian out in New York, right? Or LA? Mm-hmm. I don't know where she's, she is. One of those places. But yeah, she's a comedian. And I wonder if this movie was kind of based off of her life or Emma's. Or maybe a mixture of both. I believe so. This actually started out as a uh, a student film. It was kind of just an eight-minute kind of thing. Um, and then she had the idea to just kind of expand it more as a, as a feature length. Uh, Rachel was in the original one, I believe. Rachel Sennett has an incredibly funny Twitter. Uh, she's also on Instagram, of course. What person in their 20s isn't? <laughs> so I followed her there as soon as like I heard about the movie for the first time. And I fell in love with her. She's incredibly funny. And her performance in this is incredible. It's an understated, but it's so well done. I've never seen her in anything at all. <laughs> I think this is my first. This is uh, Emma Seligman's big break and uh, also Rachel Sennett's. Uh, she's on this NBC sitcom, but I mean, that's just probably to pay the bills. <laughs> that L.A. rent's not going to pay itself. Oh, Rachel Sennett is on a sitcom? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm not sure which one, but yeah, she's on uh, one of those new ones that's going to get renewed for like two seasons and then... Good for her, because, I mean, this seems like a very indie, independent movie. It had, like, five productions behind it. I was noticing mm-hmm. during the credits, I was like, oh, my goodness, how many production studios are part of this? But as soon as the movie was going on, I was like, oh, this is an independent movie. Okay, uh, I see why. And actually, it's funny that you bring up the whole eight-minute short that it was, because I saw a trailer, I think a trailer played while I was purchasing the movie or renting it on YouTube, and the footage they show in the trailer is kind of different to what the movie showed. I think specifically the first scene in the trailer where, like you said, Rachel Sennett's character is doing the dirty. And in the trailer, it's a completely different actor and completely different apartment. So maybe that was the footage they used from the eight minute short. I believe so. Yeah, but majority of this movie takes place at the Shiva. Which I was like, okay, fine, we'll stay here. Okay, I think halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, we're not leaving, are we? <laughs> like, okay, we'll we're, we'll stay in here. And yeah, anxiety is a good way to describe this movie. I was just getting flashbacks of like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like the constant questions and like the the fake laughs and all that jazz. And uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, great, I have to relive this moment with her. Okay. <laughs> Can't mm-hmm. wait for this to be over, but no, it, it's never <laughs> over, and, and not not in a not in a bad way, like not in a bad way that I wanted this movie to be over. More of a, I I don't want this character to go through enough <laughs> embarrassing, awkward moments, and talk about like the parents. Oh my goodness, the mother! <laughs> <laughs> I loved her in the worst way. <laughs> yeah, I could feel Rachel Sennett's characters. Uh, pain when it's like mom just shut up like why do you have to say the things you're saying right now (laughs) and she's so mean the mother is so mean one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they see a picture of a baby and the mother leaves and she's just bashing this baby like saying 
look where's the nose the skin is so ugly and then the baby comes and she is like praising this baby <laughs> within minutes <laughs> within minutes of seeing the picture it was the funniest thing i was like that's such a mom thing to do because <laughs> mm-hmm. i've experienced that firsthand so i was like yep that's definitely that type of mom i know those type of moms <laughs> and i loved it <laughs> and uh, the titular shiva baby is the baby of the guy who she was doing the dirty with in the beginning of the movie oh yeah and uh, diana agron who uh is most commonly known for quinn Fabray in glee yes uh, she's a mom uh she's playing moms now in movies which is crazy to see and then uh, also rounding out the cast, uh, you got Molly Gordon, who was one of the girls in Booksmart, the one who gives Molly a ride home at the at the end of the movie. Yes, she has a she had a very familiar face, so I had to look her up. And yeah, she is in Booksmart. She's also in Good Boys, the one oh. with uh, Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, she's one another of another one I didn't get around to that that year. Yeah, that one's really funny. Yeah, and she's in the movie too. Yeah, I thought she was great too. Here she plays. The ex-girlfriend of Rachel Sennett. Again, mm-hmm. just like Mitchells versus the Machines, we have a lead who just so happens to be queer. This one, I kind of, it felt appropriate to kind of comment on it because... Given the setting. The traditional and the, and the family, yes. Uh, and I loved it. I, I, I loved it so much. And then the whole, that tension between her and the ex-girlfriend and like the parents always keeping an eye on them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anytime they're near each other, it, it's that tension that builds. Yeah. Oh, the dad, he looked very familiar and a light bulb went in my head saying, oh, that's the guy from WandaVision. Oh my, oh yeah, yeah. He's the boss that chokes and, and we never see him again. Oh, we see him, I think the <laughs> next episode. But anyways, yeah, it was nice to see some familiar faces. And yeah, the tension in this movie, geez Louise, it's a it's a roller coaster. I will say a lot of the tension that was being built up, I wished the payoffs to these uh, buildups would have been a little bit not enjoyable. Like I didn't want a cat fight to break out during the Shiva or mm-hmm. anything. I just felt like they kind of were building up. The tension was going and the score was getting louder and louder and the tempo was getting faster. And then the relief of it uh, was at times just like oh okay well there's no like real sense of finality to the movie because the movie ends on them all getting in the car and it's just that same kind of feeling it's like oh my god we're gonna ride in the car now and then the movie just ends there it's like oh my god and you don't get any sense of relief even after the movie's over you're just like oh my jesus it's it's a ride from start to finish and i love Love, love this movie. <laughs> I really, really like this movie. I I think they did what they wanted to, and they, I, I believe they executed it. I think for me, I just wanted, um, I don't know, I, I guess going through all that trauma <laughs> with mm-hmm. Rachel Sennett's character, I just wanted that relief, that tying the bow on it. Just like, okay, she confronted everything at hand, may not have gone the way she, she wanted it to, but at least she found some closure and she can move on with her life. But no, all our characters are stuck in a van together. And I just feel like that's where the movies are going to stay forever in that van. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I don't. Why? <laughs> Why? That's life, baby. Is it though? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it do be like that. So Danny, I'm not sure if the film wanted me to root for her, but I was, I wanted her to kind of learn her lesson and mm-hmm. kind of grow up. Again, 
the boomer side of me is coming out (laughs) where it's like (laughs) yeah like okay like uh just fucking i don't know get a job like do go do something (laughs) i mean get a part-time job i know she was babysitting that was her kind of like her part-time job and they play a lot of that into the movie too Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot but a part of me was kind of like giving her that tough love of like okay just man up and let's go like <laughs> let's just resolve these problems that are going on like i'm glad that the sugar daddy <laughs> showed up and i'm glad that he was married and had a kid so that way it's in front of her face like hey okay look here's the perfect sign to stop mm-hmm but then she, oh, uh, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to go into spoilers. Yeah, no, if yeah. If you haven't, uh, I feel like the majority of people haven't heard about this movie. So definitely give it a watch, rent it on YouTube, however you have to. Mm-hmm. It's barely over an hour. It's like 87 minutes or something, like not even like an hour and a half. Or it's 77, 77 minutes, an hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah give this movie a watch i highly recommend it if i had to pay to see it again i would give it a, uh i would pay nine but i would not mind paying ten. Ooh, okay i'm going to the box office and saying sir give me a ticket for a shiva baby and i'd buy it for an 8.5 8.5 mm. yeah i like i i liked it i i thought it was i thought it was nice i i, I can't i don't find any problems with it i think it's really original Yes. Yeah, and that was a standout for me, along with Rachel Sennett. I want to look up the sitcom she's in because I thought she was great in this. Uh, the sitcom is uh, called Call Your Mom on ABC. Oh, wow. That's, oh, network. Okay. Yeah. She's in the Disney family. Yes, she is. Wow. From indie to Disney. <laughs> I think the cast is great. I thought Rachel Sennett, if this is her first outing in a full feature... Kudos to her. I thought she carried this movie so well, especially this type of movie that relies so much on your lead. I thought she did great. And for those listening, I'm sorry for talking about the plot a little bit because I want your your experience to be the same as mine, where I had no idea what this movie was about. I know you just recommended yeah. it to me, and I was like, okay, I'll I'll watch it eventually. Sure enough, I did, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was great. Yeah, and uh, Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett are uh, working together, and their next feature has already gotten picked up by a couple studios, and Olivia Wilde's going to be a producer on the next one. Oh, cool. So I cannot wait to see what comes from this duo next. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, congrats to them then. It's so great to see like these indies just like blow up now, and I feel like that's what I'm so excited about now, because I feel like now everyone's kind of tired of the same old same old that we've been getting and i feel like in indie movies are really being the biggest push now because you can have a, an indie feeling without any of that personality or just the personal feeling yeah. to it but uh, this along with uh, sound of metal just deeply personal films in completely different aspects yes. <laughs> yeah i can't wait to see the the indies we're gonna keep getting throughout the rest of this decade yeah this decade's off to a great start. Rise of the Indies. Love it. Speaking of that, speaking of Indies. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we'll talk about Fargo in a little bit, okay? But I just want to yes. like get something off my chest, okay? So I guess Bridesmaids was like just a lightning in the bottle situation that would never get replicated again. 
because I saw two movies that had both of those standout stars in Bridesmaids. First movie was Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, starring Kristen Wiig. And going back to Bridesmaids real quick, it was starring Kristen Wiig and co-starring Melissa McCarthy. I think she even got a, a Golden Globe nomination for that role. Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress really? for Bridesmaids. Wow. Yeah. You know, another comedian I was thinking of that got a Oscar nomination for the, their comedic role was Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thinking about that now, yeesh. But I still yeah. love that role. I don't care. It's a commentary on Hollywood, people. That's the joke. Going back to <laughs> Bridesmaids. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was starring... Kristen Wiig and the Oscar-nominated Melissa McCarthy from that movie, directed by Paul Feig, and it was written by uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo. And here this time, they're both writing again, but they're also starring in this movie. And oh, uh, ooh, okay. So I was really excited about this movie when it came when it was going to come out. I know it got pushed back, but the teaser trailer for this movie. It was great. It was colorful. There were some dancing and singing going on. They didn't even show the two leads' faces. Mm-hmm. It was just great. It was a great trailer. It hooked me. I love Kristen Wiig. I love Melissa McCarthy to this day. But these movies make it so hard. <laughs> Barbie <laughs> Star Go to Vista Del Mar feels like a very successful reoccurring skit or sketch on SNL that they turned into a movie a la Wayne's World, a la Conehead Superstar, but it came off more like Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, the premise is great. Like, from the opening... Okay, no. Oh, my goodness. I don't even want to... Sp- you know what? I'm going to spoil it. So, this movie opens great. It opens the same as the teaser trailer, which I'm like, great, hooked on. You have a little chubby Asian boy... He's a newspaper delivery (laughs) guy. Yeah, and he's singing his song, and he's flamboyant, and he's confident, and it's just a great way to start the movie and that teaser trailer as well. Mm -hmm. But then it turns into an Austin Powers movie. Yeah, my jaw just dropped, and like my eyes crossed for a bit because I was just confused. I was like, "No, like this can't be." So this. (laughs) The little Asian boy is a part of a underground, like, evil person's lair. And this is why I bring up Austin Powers, because out comes this pale white villain played by Kristen Wiig. Has no relation to the Kristen oh. Wiig's character in the in the movie. And I'm just like, no, no, like, what what are we doing? No, like, give me the movie I was promised. And it does <laughs> give us the movie that we were promised. But this other element of a super villain type of, like, Dr. Evil type of character, again, played by Kristen Wiig, it's a huge dip in quality for the movie. Dang. And I think what they already had going was great. Just the premise alone, if you go strictly based off the trailer i thought you would have had a great movie and who for those who don't know the movie it's pretty much about these two midwestern uh, like middle-aged women 
they kind of like live a very safe life. They work at a furniture store. They go home. They even live, they're roommates. I, I thought they were sisters, Aww. but they're roommates and good for them. And they kind of have this thought of like, we've never really done anything about uh, with our lives. We always talk about the past and why don't we just actually do something for once? And they book a trip to Vista Del Mar, which is in Florida. And that's where the movie just pops with color. They even do like a little musical number in the hotel. It's great. Those parts are so funny and rich with life. And it's a shame that it just gets tainted with all that other crap. And the opening is great too. This is why I, I it feels like a reoccurring skit on SNL that got turned into a movie. Because there's a part where our two leads are in like a a girl, like a women's club meeting. And the tropes there are so funny. Like the, there you have the leader of the club that's a really strict and she's mm-hmm. real passive aggressive. Like she's like, oh, it's six o'clock. And she locks the door. And this one woman comes running like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm late. My car broke down. And she's like, you can leave now. We don't want you here. Just real passive aggressive. <laughs> it's really funny. And you see a lot of SNL alum in the movie as well, specifically in that club. And it was great mm-hmm. to see. That's why I was like, oh, was this ever an SNL skit? Because this is something you could always play with every time you have a new guest or a new host on SNL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you ever do watch it, uh, just watch like the first couple of scenes before they go to Dis- Vista Del Mar. No, even when they go to Vista Del Mar, it's really funny. There's some very funny things that happen there. And then at that point, might as well watch the whole thing. Yeah. If you want to watch it, go ahead. I did like it a whole lot better because of those qualities compared to the other movie I watched. So we already talked about Kristen Wiig. And I feel like she has a lot more redemption, even though we just saw her in Wonder Woman 1984. I still love her, but oh, Melissa McCarthy. She makes it hard with the movie she chooses for you to love her. Okay. I grew a, a very deep appreciation for Adam Sandler's bad movies after watching Thunder Force. <laughs> okay. Oh. Here's why, okay? At least with Adam Sandler, you feel like he's helping out his buddies stay afloat. <laughs> as corrupt as that may seem. <laughs> yes. And if he's not doing anything illegal, then, hey, go on, man. He gave us Uncut Gems, so he's solid for the next 10 years. But, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but this duo of Melissa McCarthy leading a movie directed and written by her husband, Ben Falcone. This has to stop. This relationship. Okay, well, hold on. Not the relationship. I hope they live a happy life, a happy marriage, all that jazz. But when it comes to him directing these Melissa McCarthy-led movies, oh, man, like, what was the first one? Tammy? Oh, God, yeah. With, uh, was that the one with, um, oh, Jason Bateman? Or was that the one where she was just off on her own? It was she was off on her own. I I can't. Okay. I even watched Tammy, and I can't even remember that movie. It's just sounds about right. Okay, <laughs> and like all the other movies that these two team up with, uh, I think the other one is She's the Boss, uh, Life of the Party, where she's play- oh my she gosh, plays yeah. the same character in all these movies, and Melissa McCarthy's so talented, and I love her as a comedic force. But this movie just 
I feel like it could really hurt her career if if the other ones haven't already. Well, wasn't she like recently nominated for Best Actress just a couple years ago? Yeah, uh, for I Hope You Can Forgive Me. I think that was yes. the movie. Yeah. Oh my good! Like again, she has talent, so I don't know why she keeps wasting her talent <laughs> with her husband. <laughs> Look again. <laughs> It's very sweet that they make movies together. It really is. It's great. I love that they're doing that. I just wish they would put some more time. Like, maybe... Okay, not even a director. Okay, because I was going to say, maybe even get a better writer. But mm-hmm. even the direction here is just... It's just her ablibbing the entire movie. And most of the things she says are not funny. They're just not funny. Even <laughs> Octavia Spencer, who again... Phenomenal actress. She's an acclaimed award-winning actress. And I know like on Twitter or on the internet, they have they had to push the whole like, oh, they were friends forever. So now go see the movie. It's like, really? You're going to guilt us into watching the movie by <laughs> shoving down our throats that they've been friends forever. And they even show them like eating some barbecue together back in the 90s. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I don't care about that. I don't care. Everyone in Hollywood knows each other, big and small. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, don't, if you, I mean, look at the Rotten Tomato score, a twenty-two. Ooh, yeah. You know what? I okay. Here, I'd give it a dollar. I'd get mm. forced to give it a dollar because I would never watch this movie again. I do it for you guys. I do it for you. Okay, you really do. And why did I watch this movie? I don't know why. <laughs> Netflix is like, oh, we're gonna release a a movie every week. Like, okay. This is what you get when you go quantity over quality. Exactly. And look, Jason Bateman's in this movie. I love him. And I know he has a good relationship with Melissa McCarthy. So don't, I don't fault him for being in the movie. He's not even bad in the movie. He's, he's just there. Jason Bateman. Yeah, Jason Bateman. He's great. And also, uh, I mean, he's great as an actor and as a person. Here, he's just okay. Like, he's there to collect a check, and he's in some prosthetic crab arms. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. I, yeah. I'm not going to get into the plot of this movie, because I don't have time or the energy for that. I want to save myself for Fargo. Let's just go ahead and move on. <sighs> yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> Barb and Star, go see it. Just expect that weird Austin Powers side plot that kind of weaves itself into the story. How much would you pay for that one? For that one? Oof. Okay. I think I'd just like $5. Mm. Like right in the middle because I literally love half of the movie. Yeah. Like if you get the other half that's like just embedded into the movie and just take it out. Like if there was a cut of this movie where it just took out all that stuff and you just had to reshoot a better conclusion at the end, it would have been a great movie. It really would have. Because the production value is all there. Like, I'm telling you, this movie could have been, like, Bridesmaids level. Wow. This time around, you don't have a Melissa McCarthy or a Paul Feig to blame. You have the two people that are responsible, solely responsible, for Bridesmaids. So I think that's it. that one's more disappointing than just downright awful. Yeah, I feel like we knew what we were getting with Thunder Force. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. Like... <laughs> Octavia Spencer like there's scenes where you just she's just there and she doesn't even know what to do 
like Man. like it's awkward because you just see melissa mccarthy like ab-libbing like she l- literally there's three times where she does like the whole listing thing like she just lists off these different names that she's she's just coming off like off the top like oh what about this name this name this name and none of them are funny mm. and octavia spencer's just there like oh this is supposed to be funny, but I'm supposed to be the serious character as opposed to the wild card that Melissa McCarthy plays in every movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Can we just move on? Let's, uh, Let, let's, let's do not watch Thunder Force, please. <laughs> I will give you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> do not watch it. Okay. Look, here's how to get some views. If you're listening to this right now, I'm giving you permission to message me that you listen to the episode and request a dollar from me. So that way I pay you through Cash App, PayPal. I will pay you a dollar to not watch Thunder Force. He's a man of his word. I am. I, I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing it again. So we'll see who the true listeners are. <laughs> watch I get like 500 people just- yeah, right? Like, hey, I listened to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't share this episode. <laughs> uh, okay. Jackson, you watched uh, one of my favorite movies. I can tell why. Uh, yeah, I just recently saw, like I said at the beginning, I recently saw Fargo uh, for the very first time, and I was able to watch it in a movie theater, which, before we get into the movie itself... I think that the, uh, I'm not sure what was up with the, the quality of the picture. I'm not sure if they just needed to clean the glass that was in front of the projector because there was a bunch of dust on it Ooh. or if they just needed to clean the lens or or what have you. Because I know this was shot on film. It was made in the 90s. So yeah, there's going to be a little bit of grain to it, but I, I don't know. Uh, watching it in the theater, I would have expected better quality. Uh, like uh, I, I, I told Dylan before we actually started recording that I, I feel like we that I was watching someone just played off of their computer and not like this was uh, a version of the film made for the theater. But, I mean, that didn't really detract from the movie itself because, oh my God, what a what a picture. This movie's great. This movie is pure cinema. I'm kind of jealous of you, Jackson. Like, this is true American cinema and you got to watch it in the theater. I have never seen Fargo in the theater. Wow. I've watched it several times throughout the years and they were always usually on the couch (laughs) like it was playing on tv or even recently Mm -hmm. it was on netflix so i had showed it to my girlfriend not too long ago and it's a long movie but she was hooked the whole way through i mean it's the coen brothers this is their best movie you know what's funny too you we had went to go see the big lebowski in theaters yeah we did so at same theater century 16 oh wow so look look at you with this relationship with the coen brothers you have yeah if they they just keep pumping out their movies in theaters i'm gonna be able to watch all their movies in the theater could you imagine that like you had fargo come out in 1996 yes and then 1998 the big lebowski comes out i mean yeah two years later a completely different movie oh yeah yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> uh i didn't know this until afterwards but cinematography roger deakins and i was as soon as i saw them like okay that makes sense that's why this movie looks so good holy crap it looks amazing oh my the the shots the uh the the way that they have the white it's where it's 90 percent of the frame and you're not like blind it's so stellar stellar work this movie just 
has a iconic look to it. And by that, I mean just how much snow is its own character. And anytime you want to set a mood like that, like Fargo, it, it's easy to distinguish it. Uh, I think of a... Okay. I could probably cut this out uh, because it might be too graphic. But there was a viral video that came out not too long ago. And it was a security camera where these two neighbors were arguing and about snow shoveling. And they're out in the snow and it's snowing real hard. Like most of the footage is just white because of that's how much snow they have. And the neighbors are just cussing out the the neighbor. And they're like, oh, you won't do anything, you pussy. Like just mm-hmm. name calling him and digging at him, digging at him. And to the point where the neighbor, the neighbor's mad because the 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 one the owners of the house keep shoveling their snow into his yard. Oh yeah. So they're just arguing, they're arguing and they're they're saying like, "Oh, like uh you're not going to do anything, you're this, you're that." And he gets so fed up that he literally pulls out a gun and shoots them both out there in the middle of the street. And that's like straight out of Fargo. It was just like Fargo, like <laughs> that's what I mean, like you, when you find yourself in these type of situations or you see something like anything that has to deal with the snow and you you know you're going to get death and swearing you're like oh fargo like you're automatically <laughs> automatically going to allude it to fargo and it's just brilliant how iconic this movie was even when it came out Cisco and Ebert they were just up in arms about this movie they loved it when it first came out i just watched their review of it uh Ooh. before we started and they were like just gushing over it and it's so great to see these top critics like just like fanboying over this movie. And I agree with them. It's so rewatchable. Anytime it's on, I have to just watch it, especially when William H. Macy's character's on. Oh my God. <laughs> Th- this movie goes above and beyond on making you hate him. I was telling Dylan this earlier in the week. Uh, d- you hate this man with such a passion. He's so spineless, he's such a weasel. And William H. Macy just plays all of that up to 11. And it's his performance, how he didn't win uh, the Oscar for this. It's it, it's in, the work he puts into this movie. It's it's great. I love William H. Macy's character as much as I hate him. Yeah, you love to hate him and he plays it so well. And countering him is Frances McDormand, who got her first Oscar win i don't know if it was her first nomination but she definitely won it was her first Mm -hmm. oscar win and deservedly so she is so chipper she is just full of life very different compared to three billboards oh yeah yes (laughs) i think that's why i loved billboards so much because it was such a complete opposite of what you get from fargo i've already i've loved her since fargo ever since i saw that movie and she's just full of life and you're just rooting for her and the stakes are up because she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, she not in We're real in a life. Bit of a load here. Yeah, not in real life in the movie. <laughs> and we just found out recently that this movie isn't based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, there's a little uh, disclaimer at the beginning of the movie where it's like the this actually happened. We've changed the first names of everybody, but other than that, this movie's this movie's real. And uh, Ryan, uh, best boy, uh, he told us that, yeah, that's actually just part of the mythos of the movie, which is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I think I love the movie even more for that. 
Yeah. And it and the open like it has the opening credits after that disclaimer, which it stays on for quite a while. It really just makes you like, Jesus Christ, what's about to happen is, uh, and then it just opens up on a snowy road with a car driving. And that car belongs to William H. Macy. He's going to the bar to meet the two people who are going to kidnap his wife (laughs) because he's in a tight spot with money. And the whole time, it's just, it's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, the the famous wood chipper scene. I had only heard about it. Like, some guy gets fed through a wood chipper in Fargo. And that's, like, the only thing I had heard about that. And I completely forgot about that. Oh, great. By the time, like, it actually came up, I'm like... Oh, oh my God, that's right. There's a wood chipper in this movie. And the fact that the Coen brothers have you laughing during that moment is genius. Yeah. And that's like, if you were to show, like, if there's a a scene that encapsulates this movie in a nutshell, it's that scene. You have the darkness of the wood chipper. You have the Francis McDormand's character. Scream like, hey, stop! While the wood <laughs> chipper's just blur, You can barely hear her. And then you have the beautiful cinematography of her in the trees. And then you have the the deep red blood in the snow. What a perfect scene. Yeah. This movie is incredible. And it starts on such a... Steve Buscemi says the line. He's like, you want us to kidnap your wife? <laughs> and just from there, the movie just goes. And... Again, just kind of a natural feeling. Like, if this were to happen to these characters, this is how it would actually play out. Because everything is mm-hmm. just so realistic. The relationships between every single one of them. The way the son talks to the mom. The way that the William H. Macy's character is just in general. You have the two kidnappers. You have the dad and his business partner who are just, like, kind of strong-arming William H. Macy's character in every <laughs> scene that he's time. in. <laughs> Then you have uh, Frances McDormand and her husband. It's just a kind of a super sweet relationship that they have. Mm-hmm. And then her, she's the chief. She doesn't act like it. <laughs> no. My favorite scene with her, with Frances McDormand's character, was when she's meeting up her old friend in the bar that she goes to. Yeah. The guy is a character, but <laughs> she plays a, her range in that scene alone is, ah, oh, I love her. And I get why, seeing her first Oscar-winning performance, I get why everybody fell in love with her from the start. Everybody in this movie is incredible. I'm not upset that I haven't seen this sooner because I'm very glad that I got to watch this in the theater for the first time. Yeah. Going back to that small scene that you mentioned, her meeting up her old friend, to me, I've always seen that scene as like maybe the most, not useless, but maybe the most, the least important scene of the entire movie but it's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's so weird. Like, you would think it's a scene to delete. Like, it, it seems like that scene would be a deleted scene that you would see in the bonus features. But in the context of the movie, it just works so well. And I think that comes from the writing. I mean, we can praise the cast all we want, but a giant cast like this and the talent they bring would be useless if it wasn't for the screenplay. Again, not only directed, but written by the Coen brothers, and they actually won Best Screenplay. Well-deserved. God, this movie, through and through, in all aspects, is incredible. And again, it just, like you said, boils down to the writing. Mm -hmm. If this script were any less perfect, 
then I don't think this would have been as huge of a cultural mainstay as it is. And it's so funny that a movie like Fargo, <laughs> about these Midwesterners up in North Dakota, eh? <laughs> everyone knows it. Everyone knows Fargo. You would think that this would just be kind of a quiet movie that like, oh yeah, Fargo, I love that movie, but no one really talks about it. Yeah. No, th- this movie has a mainstay and it's so well-deserved. Yeah. Oh, uh, really quick. Oh, I should have mentioned it earlier, but that what what tripper scene is actually based out of all the things in the movie that's it's all fictional. That's the one part that's actually kind of true uh, up in that uh, Midwest area of America during that time. A uh, man actually fed his wife to the wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And you know what's funny too? It's so fascinating that we just want to live with these characters all the time you know like i said like that least interesting or would would have played as uh, less interesting that scene where francis mcdermott revisits an old friend it's just the writing and the acting that just play hand in hand so much to where that's the scene that kind of made me think i would love to see a tv series of this and there actually is there's like two or three seasons of Fargo. Four. Four. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I have no idea what those uh, seasons are about. Neither do I. And it kind of makes me want to watch them. I think they're on Hulu, I believe. Mm-hmm. FX on Hulu. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I-, I wonder how much involvement the Coen brothers have with that show. But I don't know. But ma- I think it's more of the characters that are in this movie that made me want to just live in this world. It just seems like such a fictional yet real world that we just want to experience. And we do in this movie. It's a perfect movie in my eyes. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I have no complaints, really. And if I were to find one, I feel like it would be a nitpick, if anything. But e- even then, I can't think of anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know? <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. A good movie, eh? <laughs> that's a pretty good movie i would say <laughs> my favorite scenes would be the interrogation between francis mcdermott and william h macy the first or second time around i love both of them but m- maybe the second time no the oh man they're so i just love them i like, love when he's just like you know what i'm gonna go do a lot check yeah. <laughs> right now like you think he's actually gonna put his foot down for once but no he just fucking he just runs <laughs> of course he would of course yeah. <laughs> the moment you think this man's gonna do something for once, he just runs. And whenever they catch him in the hotel, and the way he's screaming, it's like, oh, they, that's the first moment in the movie where I felt bad for him, but also like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, it's all for show. Yeah, like, oh, William H. Macy's performance again is just top tier. Yeah, he's great. Love them. I, I love everyone in this cast. Everyone plays their roles so well. Even the small, minor ones, too. Yeah, yeah even the quiet henchman. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember his name, but, like, he doesn't... That that interaction early in the movie where he's like, you're not just going to say a word, huh? Oh, yeah? Well, I'm not going to talk either. <laughs> See how you like it. <laughs> you know, you're going to hate it whenever I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> and he just keeps going. <laughs> Yeah, Steve Buscemi and Peter uh, uh, Stomare, I could see them. I could see that movie, a spinoff, like a prequel Fargo. That's a movie I would yeah, want to watch. Yeah, like how they got into this business in the first place. <laughs> yeah. 
you know me, I, I always look down on spinoffs or prequels to great movies already, but I'll make an exception on this one. De-age them. Give it to me. I want it. Or, yeah, the, you, t- we have technology. <laughs> utilize it, please. All right, Jackson, you're headed to the box office, and you could spend either a dollar or all the way up to ten. Ten being the best. How much are you paying? Would not mind paying a solid ten bucks. I wouldn't mind paying twenty to see this again Ooh. in the theater. Are you kidding me? Fifty would be pushing it. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, th- this movie's great. If if it were ever in the theaters again, I don't care how much th- that ticket costs. I'm gonna go watch it again. Yeah, me too. I mean, I would hand. I'd run up there with excitement to the box office and hold the. Ticketmaster's hand and hand him a crisp $10 bill and tell him, keep the change, fella, because I don't need it. I'm going to go watch Fargo. Yeah, it's a perfect movie for me. It's so rewatchable and not by, and not even by, like, from the movie start to finish. Any scene you could pluck out and just watch. You just want to watch this movie again. Yeah. And it's crazy. You've only seen it once and I've seen it like maybe three or four times my life. I can't wait for the many rewatches I'm going to have later on in my life because, uh, like you said, you just want to be in this world again with these characters. Yeah, and it's so great that the Coen brothers just create this world of their own. It's it, like Big Lebowski. That one just takes yeah. liberties <laughs> in reality <laughs> and what's true and what's not. And it's so great to see them. They did it before with Fargo. And they did it again with Big Lebowski. It's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... What a very diverse set of movies we just talked about. Yeah, we go from talking about Thunder Force to Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I should have uh, saved, or I should have had Thunder Force at the beginning. I'm so mad that I have Thunder Force <laughs> even touching, even getting near the prestigious Fargo. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Next time I'll plan that out better. <laughs> but that's going to do it for us here. What did you all think? Did you watch any of these movies? If you haven't watched Fargo, go watch it now. Like, please. Yes. Yeah, if there's any movies from the six that we talked about here, it would be Fargo, then Shiva Baby. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kind of engulf myself in, like, video essays on Fargo now. Ooh, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure there's just people dissecting that movie to a T. But, yeah, for those who've watched the movie, do you hate it? I want to know if you hate Fargo. That would be interesting. If you love Fargo, I mean, who doesn't, right? But if you hate it, <laughs> let me know why. And if you love Thunder Force, <laughs> <laughs> tell me why. <laughs> but all the all the movies we talked about today, Mitchell's versus the Machines, Wrath of Man, that one just came out, but let me know what you think. Shiva Baby? Shout out to Shiva Baby if you haven't watched Please it. Please go watch it. If there's any movie that I'm going to be really on anybody about, it's Shiva Baby. I'm going to preach this movie till the ends of the earth. And out of all of them, Shiva Baby is the only one where you can't go to the movie theater to watch it. And you can't really watch it on any, any streaming services that you have a subscription to. You would have to actually rent it. It's well worth the $4 that you're paying. It Trust me. It's an anxious, nail-biting, fantastic time. I want to watch it again. And you're supporting an indie movie. Exactly. Uh, Shop local. Support small businesses. Amen. Amen. And 
You can let us know about what you thought about this entire episode as a whole on our social media pages. So contact us and we'll shout you out here. And oh, you can, uh, I'm not sure what platform you're listening to us on, but now we are officially on a bunch of platforms. Not only are we on Spotify, but you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. I don't know what that is, but. Hey, more power to you. I'm going to check it out now. Amazon Music. I didn't even know they hosted podcasts, so good on Amazon. Except Jeff Bezos. <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Please, tomorrow I'm going to have my Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah, you're just, just going to see it like... Deleted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're out. Uh, you can find us on Google Podcast and Radio Public for you Radio Public users out there. Support the radio. My grandma says podcasts are just online radio. Hey, she's right. She's absolutely right. She's not wrong. Shout out to my grandma. I love you. I love you too. Hey, hey, hey. Easy there, buddy. Hey, because of her, you're here. Dang, you're right. Yeah, follow us on all those platforms if you have any of them. I know on Apple Podcasts, that's the only platform where you could give reviews and rate mm-hmm. podcasts. I think episode by episode. I'm not sure how it works. I'm new to this game. But if you guys could leave a review on there, that'd be great. That would be great to read, yeah. Even the bad ones. Bring it on, baby. Constructive criticism. Yes. Or non-constructive. Yeah. We'll read it all. But Jackson, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jackson underscore DML. And uh, Lori couldn't be on this episode, oh, sadly, yeah. because she graduated. Hey, congrats to Lori. She graduated last year, but because of the pandemic, they didn't have a ceremony but now they did, and it's uh, great that these colleges are giving ceremonies to the previous classes that were that fell victim to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, congrats, Lori. She got to walk. That's so great. It's a great moment for her. So, Amen. We'll see you next love time. Love you, Lori. Yeah, we love you, and we'll have you on next time. Oh, crap. What? We didn't get Daria. Yikes. Hey, Dario. Dario, my man. Hey, look. Look. (laughs) Oh, this is what? Episode 16? Look. We're very grateful for the music. We love you. It's great. I love it. We want you on as much as the next person, right? It's just timing's an issue. It's it's bad. We'll we'll get it. It's the schedule. It's something I need to work on. Yeah. I'll take full responsibility for this. It's on me. It's on me. I, I'm. He's here. He's here with us. Uh, he he actually he loves Shiva baby. Oh man! He actually oh. converted to Judaism for the movie. Wow, going above and beyond as Dario always does. Well, to be fair, I told him to do it so that way he could have something to talk about on the show. So oh oh it, yeah, it was one of those things. I thought it'd be entertaining for the show. But now we stuck. I mean, hey, what do you, what can you do? Sorry, come back out now. Uh, <laughs> Shalom. Well, uh, well, go to your bar mitzvah. Do they do those if you're in your twenties? Um, I think we we I think we owe it to throw him one. We should throw him one. The cinema shows bar mitzvah for Dario. There we go. And you can follow Dario Lahayim on his Twitter at Dorito is the name. I wonder what his favorite flavor of Dorito is. Yeah, we need to get that. At least that. 
<laughs> at least <laughs> at least that we'll, we'll get it for him one day well you know what we'll, we'll ask him next time we'll ask him next, next time. time yes yeah yeah not right now i mean it would take a second for him to just say it but uh no need it's fine yeah i mean we've already done like 95 percent of the outro just yeah we'll get you next time dario love you we spent too much time on the outro all right guys well this wait did i say my twitter no you did not and you can follow me on twitter at DylanMM5. That's right, D-Y-L-A-N-M-M-5. This is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective, and it's all about perspective. Have a great day, and a better tomorrow. Bye.